Welcome back to the spirit of Haggard. My friends, we have such a fun episode today. It's a little different than our norm. So with that, I want to introduce Katie. You are here with us because recently you won a contest by spending some time at the Haggard Equine Medical Institute booth at the AAEP convention. So you're our winner and I don't know, maybe as we go through this episode, you'll decide that that this isn't exactly being a winner, but I think it will be really fun. <laughs> and so tell us how you got here uh, and what what brought you to AAEP and becoming a winner at the Haggard booth? Yeah, awesome. Oh my gosh, it's so good to be here. Uh, so I'm a fourth year veterinary student um, focused on equine medicine at Oregon State University. And last year actually was my first opportunity to go to AEP. I had a um, veterinary mentor that suggested it, and it was such an amazing experience. And I got so much out of it that I was not going to miss it again. So I actually pretty much designed my entire fourth year schedule around being able to go this year. Um, And it did not disappoint. And so while I was there, of course, one of the fun things is to go to the trade show and see everybody and see all the booths and uh, was at the Haggard booth and um, talking with everyone there. And they were like, oh, hey, here's a little contest for a podcast. And I am a self-confessed podcast nerd. And so, of course, I was like, yes, I will scan that QR code. Good for you. Well, we're so excited to have you because, again, we talk so much about the journey of each of our guests and how they have come to be, most of the time, equine veterinarians. So it's so exciting to be here with you as a fourth year. Like, you're almost a real veterinarian. Does it feel that way to you? Oh, my gosh. It's so exciting. It's um it's good. Yeah. It's every year of vet school is like more exciting than the last year. I feel like every year has been even every quarter we're on the quarter system and it's like, oh, oh my gosh, this is even better than last quarter. I feel like I'm getting so much more closer to clinical medicine. And then, you know, now that we're in fourth year and actually doing things, it's just phenomenal. Incredible. <laughs> well, take us back and talk us through the younger version of Katie back to the beginning on how you got here. Sure. Uh, so I guess I would say I don't feel like I had a choice to be not horse crazy um, through my parents. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite anecdotes about my mom is that when she was like eight months pregnant with me, she couldn't get on her horse anymore. It was just like too much of a baby bump. And so on the ranch in Wyoming, she would, you know, bridle up her Arab thoroughbred cross as one does in the eighties. And she would just have her sidle over to the cattle loading dock and she would just get on her bareback and ride her. (laughs) So she was just determined that her firstborn would be a horse kid. So I definitely credit my mom for that. (laughs) That's amazing. She's a saddle maker and my dad is a horse trainer. So it's definitely in my blood. Although I will say my sister is doing a NASA internship in Virginia and has nothing to do with horses. So I don't know. It just, it hits us or it doesn't, I guess. But <laughs> Yes, for sure. Well, that's, that's incredible. I love that kind of birthing of your horse crazy life. <laughs> and so did you know early on that you wanted to be a veterinarian? 
You know, I, I did, although I took a really long kind of weird route to vet school, but I, um, my parents always said that I would do things like I used toothpaste and I paste wormed all my model horses when I was really little. And I was just always interested in the science stuff too. Um, and I actually, I started out as a pre-vet student and, uh, I was just, just so busy with classes all the time. And, and I'm not going to lie, there was a particular chemistry class that was really brutal. And I started reconsidering like, wow, I don't even hardly have time to ride my horse right now. Like, what am I doing with my life? Ah, and uh, so I, I, took, I took a little bit of a, a break and I actually went to vet tech school trying to make up my mind. And while I was there, I started peer tutoring and I thought, wow, teaching is awesome. I love it. And I was like, hey, if I'm a teacher, I'd have summers off to ride my horses more. <laughs> and so I actually was a high school science teacher for a number of years. And then I, I got a little more mature and a little more, I think, self-confident in figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. And I thought, you know what? Nah, I'm actually ready now. So, Wow. That's really a, a great deal of wisdom to share. Again, you know, so many of our listeners are in that process of deciding and then facing those challenges of, and I always pick on organic chemistry. I think organic chemistry is the class that loses more veterinarians than anything else, (laughs) but um, we're facing those challenges and making those decisions. So that's a really cool part of your story. And I love that you were, was it a high school science teacher? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I taught high school science. So, and it was a blast. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. I love my students and I love people. And I can say that even as I'm not really like an extrovert, I don't like recharge with people, but I still love people. I'm introverted. And I think that's actually really important. And I wish um, that was maybe a little more, I don't know. I think people try to do a good job of making that clear, but like, I feel like veterinary medicine is people focused. It's really not animal focused. I mean, it is, but it's, oh my gosh, the people make it or break it for you. And just really loving to interact with people is, I think, be a really either important skill that you can work on developing, or if that's something that's natural to you, like definitely an important part to consider about the the veterinary side. Katie, you are speaking my language. I spend so (laughs) much time teaching young people and training organizations on that, just that, the human connection. And you can be in a room full of people and you ask them, how did you, or why did you get into veterinary medicine? Because you love people. No one raises their hand, right? No one raises their hand. They don't realize that this truly is a people business. So that's really cool. And I love that you acknowledge that you are not naturally an extrovert. And sometimes I think that when we are pointed towards, you know, a people-focused career path, we're like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. But you recognize that we can develop some of those skills. And while it may not be what fuels us because we love veterinary medicine for the equine, the horse side of things, we can still develop our people interaction skills. That's really insightful. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, and I think, gosh, we could just keep tying it into all the important messaging. I think there's so much good stuff messaging wise that's coming out about equine medicine in particular now, because I think it did get a little bit of a bad rap for a while there and, and probably deservedly so in some aspects. But, um, you know, 
as a non kind of extrovert, I mean, I still love people, but boy, I have to take that time for myself to just kind of be alone and be in my own head. And that's self-care too. So yes, I love that energy. I love your energy and the recognition that we are no longer in that space. I'm excited that you're quick to recognize kind of the evolution of where we've been over the past decade or so in equine vet med. Yeah. Oh, it's so exciting. Oh my gosh. Everything's exciting right now. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So you went from Wyoming to how did you get to Oregon? Tell us a little bit about, you know, like the later years, that academic transition. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So when I decided that I was ready to pursue veterinary medicine at that point, you know, uh, my science credits were a little, I mean, they had some dust bunnies on them. (laughs) And so I applied and uh, my closest school at the time I had applied to Colorado State and they were like, hey, (laughs) uh, this isn't competitive. Like it's, you know, some of your science credits are approaching 10 years old at this point. We have this cool master's degree program. It's a one-year program. It's biomedical sciences. You know, it gives you a chance to really get your feet wet in graduate level science credits, meet people, you know, kind of get your vet application resume ready to go. And so my family and I, at that point, I uh, had my first child and I have two now and was married and we moved down to Fort Collins and I went to their graduate program, which was phenomenal. It was um animal anatomy and physiology, basically. And uh, I got a ton out of it. And one of the great things for me was I was so ready to hit the ground running in vet school because I was used to that pace, you know, that kind of fire hose of information they talk about. Um, And then uh, for, for everyone out there that tries so hard and doesn't get in the first time, I can tell you that I had good grades. I had a great committee letter of recommendation from about eight professors. And it took me four years to get into vet school. (laughs) So I just applied every year and I just kept going. And I got into veterinary school. I actually got into Ross right when the pandemic hit. (laughs) Um, So 2020 in the spring, I applied, I got into Ross. And at that time I was still at CSU and I was um, a teaching aide in there. I had delayed my graduation so I could actually be a teaching aide in their anatomy program uh, for another semester. So I was finishing up that and it was really neat because we actually had to kind of pivot right in the middle. It was about March, right in the middle of the semester and uh, go online with the anatomy dissection program, which was wild. But luckily, I had taught high school science. And part of my job um, I had taught in a rural area was to develop online classes uh, for reaching students who were, you know, not able to always be in one location to get, you know, whatever elective. So it was really neat. We had a really awesome team. They were developing a really cool online anatomy program at the time. And so uh, it was just a great experience. It was a blast. I started vet school online, which was wild. <laughs> um, the just trying to learn, especially those early semesters of you know anatomy and things that should really be so hands on, and you're looking at like a shaking video screen, and the professors are trying so hard because this is new for them too. And oh my gosh, it was crazy. And obviously, I'm not at Ross; I'm at Oregon. So what happened was 
as they were trying to bring us to in-person school, they were having a lot of difficulty between balancing what, uh, you know, kind of was happening with the pandemic on the American side versus the island side. You know, it's its own country and government. And they finally had gotten it down to they were chartering some planes. But then there was a little bit of back and forth on how many people could fit and could everyone's family go. And so I was really worried that it would come down to I would have to go and not go with my kids and my husband. And based on how everything else was going, I was like, I'm not getting separated from them for gosh knows how long. Um, and so that's when I started looking into, can I transfer? And um, I applied to Oregon. I looked at a lot of different programs and it just really uh, seemed to have a really good value system that matched what I was looking for. And uh, I was really lucky. They offered two spots the year that I needed to get in and I got one of them. So Wow. So then I started, uh, I started Oregon. And, and of course, you know, there's always a little bit of a jump. Like I had done a full year at Ross, but then I came in partway through first year at Oregon. So just extra practice, right? <laughs> extra education. Oh, I mean, what a journey, Katie. There's a lot there. <laughs> One of the things that I have to repeat that I always repeat because there's so much, um, I, I don't think we talk enough about the challenges and what we might define as failures. They are not failures, but you said it took you four years to get into vet school. And I want our listeners to hear that. So I bring that back up on purpose to say, you are now in your fourth year. You are pursuing a career path that you're clearly passionate about. And it took you four years to get into vet school. And then you had the journey of online and then transferring. So this is not a straight line. It never is. And everyone's journey does look a little bit different, but they're all very curvy and, you know, get a little crazy at times. Let's pause for just a minute to hear from our friends at Bymeda, our Spirit of Haggard podcast sponsor. Bymeda might just be the largest animal health company you have never heard of until now. Bymeda Animal Health's equine products have been trusted by veterinarians and horse owners since the 1960s where our Irish roots began. Bymeda is one of the largest producers of dewormers for horses like Equimax, Bimectin, Duramectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes rely on polyglycan, a patented formula designed to replace lost or damaged synovial fluid, and Confidence X 1% pheromone gel that reduces and prevents equine stress, to name a few of our branded products. We encourage you to consult with your equine veterinarian before using any equine products for your horse. Also, please visit buymedaus.com to learn more about our full product offerings and where you can buy them. How do you survive and thrive through some of those kinds of challenges, Katie? Like when I ask that question, I want to know specifically about what your take on a support system and what you think is important when it comes to facing the challenges that are clearly going to happen to, to each of us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting. I think you kind of need a mix of keeping the big picture and your goal in mind. But honestly, getting through a lot of that is just you kind of sometimes I feel like you got to actually kind of just look down and just put one foot in front of the other. Because had you told me when I started when I first applied to vet school that it was going to be um, eight years more <laughs> before 
<laughs> I was ready to actually graduate and be a veterinarian, it would have been really overwhelming. Um, and so sometimes you just kind of have to tackle each thing and almost just embrace that short term view. You know, you've got that long term goal, but at the same time, it's like, what can I do the next the next step that I need to take? And and then, yeah, uh, you brought up like the support network. Oh, my gosh. Um, my support network is phenomenal and that's helped me so much. I um, my husband is amazing. He handles everything all the time that you know it allows me to be successful in vet school because he picks the kids up and he drops them off and you know when i have to study late he's always picking up the balls that i drop <laughs> for sure and that's amazing because it's not easy for sure um and then you know my parents have always been really supportive and then i met some of the best friends of my life in grad school in colorado and it's so wonderful to have those people too that you can you know, you vent to if you need to vent to, or you can share the successes um, with, and it's just, yeah, you got to surround yourself with that. And I'm, this is me coming back to my little teacher voice for a minute too, but it's easy to get wrapped up in whatever the people around you kind of the atmosphere they create. And so you do sometimes have to be really intentional about aiming for that positive. Sometimes it's really easy to get wrapped up in complaining. And I definitely have done my share of that through vet school journey. But um, sometimes we have to like step back and remind ourselves to like, how cool it is to be in vet school and that we're, we're doing this. And yeah, I don't know if that kind of it that. does. Yeah, no, I love that. And so um, what resources, in addition to the people, I just naturally always love to talk about how important the people in our lives are. And I love that you acknowledge that you will sometimes be in situations where you need to choose different energy to be around. Uh, I think that's really important. But what are the resources that you feel like maybe you didn't know you'd need? during this journey? Sure. Yeah. Um, definitely something that, uh, was really helpful for me. Um, and this kind of comes back. I think we mentioned at the beginning, I am sort of a podcast nerd and I just, so I listen to a lot of science podcasts and things. And one of the things when I was in my first year of, um, grad school, as I was, uh, trying to figure out like there just isn't enough time to study the way you know like to get all of this information and the way I was studying like there just weren't enough hours in the day and so of course I started down the internet rabbit holes like how can I study better and how can I study smarter and I actually um, ended up listening to uh, quite a few different podcasts by people who were sort of studying that and like how do you maximize your time and what ways do we learn and that was really interesting for me too because I'd done a little bit of that as a teacher and so you know how can you approach learning so that you're really learning and not just kind of cramming and dumping and that was really key for me being more successful and there's just I mean there's so many I'm trying to think of the names of them off the top of my head it's been a while there's one in particular um, the guy that runs it is actually a human doctor and he went through med school and he kind of uh, he puts a lot of resources out on how to do active learning for yourself. Because um, it's easy to get in a trap of like, I'm rewriting my notes or I'm listening to my lectures again. And you're still not really committing it because you're not actively learning. So kind of going down that rabbit hole was really worth it for me. I use those strategies over and over again. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And you know, that's one, we'll drop it in the show notes for our listeners, because I think that's the, I mean, that's really wise. And so we've got audience members and listeners that are like, oh my gosh, I do want to know how to study better because I think you make a really good point. We can listen to it 10 times, but are we listening? Yeah, absolutely. So helpful. Yeah, that is really helpful because there is, we have to acknowledge just how much noise is around us today and just, you know, how our mind is is not able to absorb it all. And we have to really think about how we're learning. Yeah, that's fascinating. Kind of with that too, I I think a lot of us in vet school, like, um, I always joke that I'm the type, not type A that snuck into vet school because because I'm definitely not as type A as a lot of my peers, but um, beings that were all pretty driven folks. uh, I think sometimes one of the other things that was so helpful is to utilize your classmates and each other. Um, You know, we're all really smart. You know, we're all really driven. We, we probably, I think a lot of times tend to want to like kind of do it our way and study with ourselves and our notes and stuff, but boy, getting another person's perspective, you know, when you ask each other questions or something like that, that information is completely different when it comes from someone else's mind. They'll take it just a slightly different way. And that is so valuable. So yeah, get study groups going because that's, yeah, that's really helpful. (laughs) Yeah. That's what drives it home, kind of brings it together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I love that. So what do you find uh, the most as the most challenging aspect of being in vet school? I think, I think it's just uh, maybe having um, just being able to accept that it is always more information than you can comfortably memorize and know. And it's always, you know, you're getting material presented to you and you're, I think you're always wanting to be one step ahead of where you are with it. And so I I think just kind of being able to roll with the flow a little bit, you know, sometimes the date of a test will change and that'll mess up a plan you had, or sometimes uh, the information is just really frustrating, but it'll come together, maybe not even next quarter, but maybe next year, all of a sudden that stuff you were learning about in first year SysPath, like, really comes back during fourth year and you're like, wow, that was really cool. That makes a lot of sense now. (laughs) Yeah. So I I think just sometimes it's hard to kind of let go and accept that, you know what, this is, I'm doing the best I can or, and sometimes doing the best you can isn't killing yourself over an A this term. Maybe it's, you know, taking care of yourself mentally or um, for me, definitely, you know, I needed to spend some time with my family or my kids. And, you know, I didn't quite get as many study hours as I wanted before that test. But at the same time, you know, my kids were having a hard week and they needed me to. And so, you know, that's just life, though. And I it's not going to be any different on the other side. So we still have to balance things. Right. So maybe start practicing that now. Yes. Oh, so good. I hope everyone's (laughs) just really eating this up as much as I am. 
So on, on the flip side of that, we talk about the challenges, which everybody always wants to know what's challenging, what hurts, what, what are the, you know, the tough spots, but what's the most rewarding aspect for you as, as a fourth year vet student, what is the most rewarding aspect of vet school? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. So, uh, so my favorite, I think I had, I I don't feel like I always have a lot of those, like aha, this moment is the moment. But I feel like I had a, this moment is the best moment of a school moment, actually. <laughs> and I've had more since then. But my favorite one, um, my very first rotation of fourth year was large animal medicine. And one of my first patients was a foal that had pneumonia. And then uh, he had also had a respiratory nasal swab panel and it came back positive for strangles which ended up being a false positive but he was in quarantine and isolation and so I was learning everything right we have to learn the computer system and all the things and it's really exciting and overwhelming and you're like oh my gosh I'm finally a fourth year and I'm doing almost baby doctor stuff and I am getting ready to go do some treatments on this full and I'm having to like gown up to go in the isolation room and you go in the negative pressure like anti-room before you get in the stall and I mean it was so like sci-fi cool (laughs) plus vet med plus horses it was just like I just had a moment where I was all in my plastic you know (laughs) PPE and I'm about ready to walk in with this full and I'm just like oh my gosh this is so freaking cool Yes. So it's just, it's great. Everything is amazing. It's just fun. (laughs) I love it. So let's talk about your time at Oregon State. You attended AAEP now for the second year you mentioned, but you've been involved with AAEP at Oregon State. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was president-elect my second year and president of the SCAP um, chapter up here my third year. And um, and now I've passed it on to uh, an amazing group of students this year who are just um, doing phenomenal things with it. It's so exciting. Yes. So now you mentioned SCAP. That's the student chapter for our listeners. You know, I always try and explain all the acronyms. We get so used to all the acronyms we use. Of course, the AAEP is the American Association of Equine Practitioners. And we talked about you attending the convention. And then many of our vet schools have student chapters of the AAEP. And so give us a little insight on why you were involved in that organization. And I mean, that's, that's quite a title to be the president of that student chapter within your vet school. So give us a little insight there. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the, the student chapter, I guess for me, the thing that interested me the most about it and why it was really important to me is that um, we are a pretty small school So our class sizes, I think um, it's fluctuated a little bit, but we're in the mid 70s for like my class. And I know that's about half of what some other schools are. So we're pretty small, um, which is wonderful in a lot of ways. Um, And I and I so I can't speak to obviously other veterinary schools, but I will say that on the whole, I felt that especially in the earlier years, equine and large animal are not as big of a focus as of course like the small animal 
Um, that school seems like it defaults a little bit towards um, particularly like the dog, which love dogs, nothing against them. But um, I was definitely really hungry for more horse specific content, um, especially in the first couple of years of that school. And so I really um, wanted to be part of the SCAP organization and I wanted to be able to help bring some of those opportunities to the other students who were um, also wanting that. Um, horse specific content. So for me, it was kind of an outlet for that. And, and I will say, I'm sure, um, I know our club was really active in the past and I'm sure that had amazing things going on. But when I came into it, we'd been, you know, a couple years into the pandemic and a lot of the clubs were sort of just getting back on their feet. And we were, we had a little gap of where the students who had and active in a club when we weren't online students were graduated and gone. And then the clubs had all been like online things for a while. And now we were starting to get back into being in person. And so some of that, some of that was lost in translation a little bit. Um, and so there was a little bit of a feeling of kind of like, let's get this going again, almost from, almost from the ground up, like, uh, there wasn't quite as much like, oh, that's what they did last year. And it worked out really well. There was a little bit of that, um, but they were really trying to get it off the ground um, right as I came in there too. So it, it was really fun. Actually, we got to have a lot of freedom with what we wanted to do. And we ended up having a lot of really neat events um, out of that, but <laughs> good. Yeah. So I love to encourage students again to, be able to look for those opportunities and understand the importance of the industry organizations, connecting with your peers, connecting with mentors and champions along the way, and really kind of exploring the opportunities that are out there. Because if there's one thing I know, it's that there's a lot that we don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? And one of the really, I mean, one of the positives, if you could kind of call it that, that came out of, I think, COVID was how comfortable everybody got with online and I will say one of my favorite things that we were able to do is I uh, just cold emailed Dr. Sue McDonald um, at uh, University of Pennsylvania, and she actually did a Zoom lunch talk for us on her pain ethogram um, paper that they published, and it was amazing. And so I don't know how easy that would have been to do before everybody was so comfortable with Zoom, but there are some opportunities, you know, that way that I think kind of did come out of it in a good way. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's super cool. And, and I agree, you know, we can recognize those. I, you know, continue to repeat that the, the magic really happens in person, but you're exactly right that, you know, we have come a long way forcefully. So in our ability to leverage technology where it can really benefit us. Yeah. Let's take a quick break to recognize our Spirit of Haggard podcast sponsor, Bimeda. Bimeda might be the biggest animal health company you've never heard of until now. Bimeda's products have been trusted by veterinarians and owners since the 1960s when our Irish roots began. Bimeda is one of the largest producers of dewormers like Equimax, Bimectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes also rely on polyglycan a patented formula that replaces lost or damaged synovial fluid in Confidence X pheromone gel, which reduces and prevents equine stress. Consult your vet and visit buymediaus.com to see where to buy. 
So, Katie, as we talk through some of these things, I I really want to also ask you your opinion of the best piece of advice for, I'll say, the younger Katie, right? But it's really the best piece of advice for young people who have an interest in equine veterinary medicine. What's the advice you would give? Yeah. So um, I've actually thought about this a lot. Um, I think there's a couple, I would say there's kind of three parts to my advice because um, one, uh, do lots of other things too. (laughs) And I mean, it sounds a little counterintuitive, but I actually feel like, you know, for me, um, boy, I feel really confident in my decision to pursue this career path because I've done so many different things. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times people can go right into it and have really never done anything else. And I, I do sometimes wonder a little bit if that contributes to some of the mental health um, crises that happen um, with the veterinary profession, because it is a really tough profession. And uh, if you've kind of never done anything else and then you, you get there and it's a lot of work and it's really hard and you probably have a lot of student debt, <laughs> you might feel a little trapped and maybe question your choices that way a little. And I think sometimes I, I'm actually really grateful that I took such a roundabout path to get here because um, I've seen some other things too, and I've done a lot of other things. And so um, I guess I feel like that's given me a little bit of a benefit. So yeah, do lots of things, explore lots of things. Um, you can do a lot of things and still get back to this field. Um, and then my uh, my other kind of two pieces of advice are one, do people things, right? Do retail, do vet teching, whatever it is you want to do, make sure you get around a lot of people and build those like soft skills, um, those people interaction skills. And then if you hate it, like, think about that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, that's going to be a big part. (laughs) Uh, And do horses outside of vet med, be around horses, watch horses, look at how horses behave um, and interact with other horses and people and start building your eye for normal now. Cause boy, that's something that I think only time can and, and experience can, can give you that real horsemanship and that horse horseman's eye or horsewoman's eye. Um, so yeah, start that stuff now and practice quantifying what you see. Don't just say, Oh, that horse looks a little off. Like, even if it's hard, try to think, what is it about it you don't like about that situation? Is it the way the horse is moving or the way he seems to be acting? And is it, he doesn't seem happy. Well, what is it? Does he have his ears back? Does he have wrinkles around his eyes? Does he have a tight mouth? Like all of those little things, if you're in the habit of of kind of describing it to yourself now, that will make fourth year a lot easier because I tell you what, there's a lot of times when I'm looking at a patient and my clinician is like, what do you see? And I'm like, Oh, this is hard. <laughs> I yeah. feel like I feel like I can see it in my head, but getting those words out. So practice those kinds of skills because um, boy, that'll help you later. That's incredible advice. Yeah, like there's so <laughs> much wisdom there. There's so much wisdom. And I think that's just it, right? Like you are living it and you are right there. And so uh I I talk a lot about the transition from student to professional and just 
how impactful that time in our life is and how much you are hungry for how do I do this? How do I do this? So I think I think that's just incredible advice. Now you mentioned how much you loved attending AAEP. So let's give the students a little taste of that. Again, you are our winner. You are a podcast guest on the Spirit of Haggard today because you attended AAP and you interacted with the Haggard team at the booth. And so let's give our listeners a little taste of AAEP and what happens there. Why were you there and what happens? Absolutely. Yes. So um, of course, as a student, you can um, register for uh, a series of wet labs that are offered to get some hands-on experience designed for students. Those are always amazing. Um, and they're a different range of topics. So um, they can be everything from, you know, imaging and ultrasound to uh, what to do in an emergency, what are common emergencies you might see, to um, how to negotiate a contract or how to read through your contract. Um, it's really helpful. And, and then, of course, on the, the rest of the AAP side, the lectures um, are amazing. And I, I have to say it was so much fun, especially my first year. I went to a couple of really cool talks um, about neurology. And then we did neurology like that quarter when I got back and it was like, oh my gosh, I've heard this before. This is so cool. <laughs> so that was really helpful. But I think the the kind of the, uh, I, I almost want to call it like the hidden treasure of AAP is something called the table discussions. And those are where you, you uh, go to particular topics and they they kind of decide on a topic and then they have um, a couple of experts that lead it, but everyone else there, it's supposed to be interactive. And so you have all these veterinarians who are asking questions or explaining a particular way that they approach a a situation. And, And the cool thing about those is they're a little bit like the hidden secret because they don't come out in the proceedings because they're kind of more a free form thing. And so like, don't miss those. Those are amazing. Um, Last year I went to one that was about equine welfare and it was, I'm going to admit the first time I had heard the term social license to operate. And now I feel like it's everywhere and I hear it all the time and I know what it means. And it's so interesting to me. Um, And then this year I went to a really, really interesting one on um, re uh, rehabilitation um kind of sports medicine and it was just it's just invaluable to hear the input from not only the experts but the other veterinarians who are asking things like wait well you know what sedation protocol do you use when the horse just is um you know not tolerating stall rest and the owner can't hand walk them and like what what do you guys find works for i guess that wouldn't be a sedation protocol that'd be you know more tranquilizing but still you know those kinds of things or for me i found that this little trick works really good or um and it, and it's great because you kind of just soak all that in and it's like important tidbits but at the same time it's also like guess what we're all still learning and it's so amazing that people can come together and ask these questions in this in this kind of phenomenal space to to just learn from each other. So that was my long-winded yes. way of saying, yeah, go to the table talks. They're amazing. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And there are. There's so many opportunities there to grow your network 
grow that professional community that you know we are all going to interact with we're going to need these people and we're going to have that phone a friend option you will be out practicing veterinary medicine a year from now and you are going to need to phone a friend so absolutely as we wrap up katie give us your vision what type of practice do you expect to be in where will you be a year from now and beyond oh okay um So I definitely, um, I am very excited to be a general practitioner. I would like to have uh, a focus on lameness. That's pretty interesting to me, but uh, all of it's phenomenal. And a year from now, I'm just so excited to be in a practice with my hands on horses, living this life, just wherever that ends up being. I'm very excited. That's good. So, and that was going to be my next question. Is there a geography chosen? Is there some place that you know that you are headed to? You know, uh, I'm I'm going to try and stay on the on the western side of the United States. So, I have some ideas, but uh we're leaving we're we'll we'll just wait and see. <laughs> okay. Good. So exciting. Katie, I I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and bringing us the experience of a fourth-year vet student. I think this is just, you know, one of the most fun episodes that we've done, certainly here on The Spirit of Haggard. And so as we depart company today, I know that there'll be some listeners that might like to connect with you. And how would they do that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, please do. Uh my email is honestly probably the um, best way to get a hold of me. I check that all the time. Um, I mean, I have, you know, the social media, which I'm a little more hit or miss at. Uh, I think it's a maybe a generational thing, but <laughs> right. But for sure, uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. Um, I love to chat. So. <laughs> And we will drop that certainly in in our show notes, but go ahead and give that to our listeners. Yeah, of course. So it's uh, it's just uh, my last name and first couple initials. So it's J-U-A-R-E-Z-K-A at OregonState.edu. I love that. So Katie, you have given us so much energy and motivation especially for our young people who are either considering equine veterinary medicine or moving through the process of equine veterinary medicine. You hinted at this earlier, but where do you see the future of vet med? I'm so excited because I think uh, we're moving things really in all the right directions. I think we are um, moving more positively towards uh, an awareness of the best practices of our patients and their welfare in general. I think we're moving towards the best practices and the welfare of our veterinarians. Um, and I'm just so excited. I'm just so beyond excited for all of this. I think uh, it's it's going to be all good things. I think we've we've got it going the right direction. Let's keep it going. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I I love that um, vision forward and I love your energy. So we will be excited to have Dr. Katie Juarez <laughs> as a practicing equine veterinarian sooner than later. So Katie, thank you for joining us on The Spirit of Haggard today. And to our listeners, have a fantastic day. And thank you again for joining us. We will see you on the next episode. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Spirit of Haggard podcast today, sponsored by Bymeda. I'm your host, Jody Lynch Findlay, speaker and podcaster. You can connect with me at jodyspeakslife.com.